the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. My dear faithful, in his Summa Theologica, St. Thomas Aquinas asked the question as to why our Lord chose to be born in a lowly town of a lowly mother. Why would he want to be born in Bethlehem of the humble Mary when he was God himself? Wouldn't it be a lot more appropriate if he were born as the son of the emperor in the capital of the Roman Empire in, in Rome? Wouldn't that be more fitting for God when he comes upon this earth? More commensurate with the dignity of God. Especially when we consider that of all children, our Lord was unique in the sense that he had the actual ability to choose his own parents and to choose his own hometown. None of us had that ability. I mean, I, I didn't go through a catalog choosing my parents. You didn't go through a catalog choosing your parents. You didn't get out the globe before you were born or conceived and say, well, it would be a good place for me to be born on this earth. But of course, this was completely within the power of our Lord. He himself chose who would be his mother, and he himself chose where he would be born. And so this phenomenon, this, this fact that he was born in Bethlehem of, of Mary of Nazareth, must be explained in light of the wisdom of God. It had to be a wise choice on the part of God. Well, St. Thomas explains that it was wise because of the fact that our Lord wanted to manifest to everybody that he was of God. That when we, as, as human beings, when we look out on this world and we have to judge where God is acting directly and where it's just merely secondary causes that are acting, when it's merely the natural course of things, we are able to say God is working over here if there is a disproportionate effect coming from a little cause. If you, if you have some sort of tiny cause that produces incredible effects, you know, it must be something behind that tiny cause, which is God himself. It must be God working here. If our Lord had been the son of the Roman emperor, when he came into this world. And then later on, he took over the Roman Empire. What will we say? We will say, of course, he took over the Roman Empire because he was the son of the emperor. This is just the natural course of things. But if he is born in Bethlehem, in a remote town, in some corner of the Roman Empire, if he's born of, of a humble virgin who is unknown, if he spends his hidden life, his first 30 years of his life in obscurity, if then he just goes around preaching in this remote country and gathers around himself 12 seemingly inept fishermen, if he is then crucified as a criminal, and from all of that material, from all of that causal material, the result is that he takes over the Roman Empire then we looking at that, we have to say, we have to conclude that is from God. That, that is not the normal course of things. That is not a merely natural power that is working there. There is no other explanation. So, dear people, this, this is how God 
shows the world that he is working. This is what God always does. When he wants to intervene directly into human history, he wants to make sure that everybody knows that he is there, that he is doing these things. And to do that, he chooses some insignificant little tiny thing with very little causal power and he produces incredible effects from that tiny cause. Like say a 17 year old girl in France, you know, just to have her lead the French army against the English after decades and decades of war and, and defeat the English. You know, I'm referring to, to Saint Joan of Arc. Or to have his mother appear to little children. It's always little children that she wants to appear to. It's not the great ones of this world. She doesn't go talk to the Pope. She goes to talk to little children. It has the little children communicate her message to the world. Or to take a more recent example, this, this uh, humble French missionary in Africa to face off against the conciliar church and to accomplish so much just through his fidelity to the judicial mass, which is what Archbishop Lefebvre did. And we see now in 2022, more than ever, the incredible effects of the decisions that he made um, 45 years ago when he refused to shut the society down, he refused to say the new mass. So this is the way that God works. And this is the way that God will always work. Because when he intervenes directly into human history, he wants two things. He wants people to have certain signs, certain evidence that it really is him. And he needs to have docile and willing instruments. And the most docile and willing instruments are much more the insignificant than those who have a lot of power in this world who are full of themselves and are very confident in their own natural means to accomplish their own goals. This is exactly what St. Paul is pointing out today in this extraordinary epistle. You have these three incredible Pauline epistles in the season of Septuagesima. You have Septuagesima Sunday, Sexagesima Sunday, and Quinquagesima Sunday, the three most incredible epistles of the entire year, all of them St. Paul um, speaking to us about various topics, but in, in a way that is overwhelming. What is going on here is, is that there are some Corinthians who are assessing St. Paul in the Corinthian community, and he's not coming up to their measure. He, they're, they're saying that he's not a real apostle. He, do, he doesn't have what it takes. He doesn't have credentials. He doesn't have cred among us for us to listen to him. He's not the real deal. And how are they judging the worth of a man to be an apostle of God? How are these Corinthians judging? They're not judging according to the criteria of God, but according to the criteria of men, the criteria of the world. They're looking for impressiveness, um, for awesomeness. They're looking for like strength and power. They're looking uh, for, for one of these uh, TikTok influencers, you know, who has certain charisma, who's, who's able to attract all kinds of likes and followers. 
And St. Paul was just was, was not, that, that was not his game. And so they, they gave him two thumbs down um, and, and say he's, he's basically not a real apostle. St. Paul's response to them is to give them a twofold lesson. Um, first of all, he says to them, look, if these are the things that you're looking for, if you're looking for impressiveness in an apostle, if I were to speak truly, I would have to say that you can find that in me and you can find it to an incredible degree. Let me just tell you a little bit about what, what I've been through as an apostle of our Lord Jesus Christ. You want to take a look at my credentials? Let me show them to you. I have exceeded. He said, I've done more than everybody else in their labors of Christ. Okay, I'm a Hebrew like them. I'm an Israelite, Israelite like them. But as a minister of Christ, I'm actually more than them. I was struck with lashes five times uh, by the Jews, each time 39 lashes. I was scourged by the Romans three times. Once I was stoned and I was left for dead. Three times I was shipwrecked. And one of those times I was, I was on the sea for 24 hours. I was just drifting in the sea for 24 hours. One time when I was... In Damascus, the, the, the king of the city wanted to, to capture me. And what they did is, because it was a walled city, they, they took me to a building that was right beside the walls, and they lowered me in a basket so I could escape. Do you want impressive things? These are impressive things. These are, in some respect, what, what this athlete of Christ was doing, what he went through, were more impressive things than even can be found in those great epic works of Homer that talk about Achilles and Odysseus, what, what they went through. But there's a second lesson I have to give you, you worldly-minded Corinthians, St. Paul says to them. You have forced me to brag in the manner of a man of the world. You have forced me to speak foolishness. But now I'm going to give you a piece of wisdom. I'm going to leave aside foolishness and I'm going to give you a piece of wisdom. I want to tell you where all of my greatness came from. Where, why, why do I not have P, PTSD? Why, why is it that, that I'm still standing? Why is it I'm still going? On the contrary, I, I'm even more energetic in the accomplishment of my role as Apostle of Christ than I was in the past. Even after all that I've been through. How is this possible? He says, the great strength, source of my strength and all of my exploits is my weakness. It's my weakness. That's the great source of my strength. When, when Christ comes to his apostle and he says, I want to use him as an instrument for the salvation of souls, what is he looking for? He's looking for, above all, a man who has nothing of himself. A man who is very conscious of his own infirmities. A man who's like an empty vessel. A man who has set aside his own desires, um, his own worldly desires. He, he set aside his own desires for perhaps his health, perhaps his renown, his fame, his glory, whatever. And it's with such a man that Christ can work. And not with another man who 
perhaps has that charisma, perhaps has all these natural talents that he has confidence in, that it's through these talents, it's through this speaking ability, it's through this charisma, it's through his personal charm, that I am going to save souls. With such a man, our Lord cannot work. The Apostle Paul is very different from such a man. The Apostle Paul obviously was an unbelievable instrument for the spreading of the gospel in the early church. And he says, it's because I glory in my infirmities. I'm satisfied with failures. He's okay with failures. The failures that were predicted by Christ himself to the apostles. They've, they've persecuted you. They will persecute, they've persecuted me. They will persecute you all the more. The Apostle Paul was satisfied with insults, hardships, with persecutions, with distresses. And with such a man, God was able to work because there was nothing of himself in him. He was a vessel that could be filled with the strength of Christ. And that is the real explanation why this, we may say, Jew of rude speech, of short stature, was able to conquer the Roman world for Christ. My dear faithful, this was true of St. Paul, and it's, it's also true, of course, for us as well. Do you want God to work in you? He wants to work in you. He wants to accomplish something in you in this life. His grace is there to transform you, to make you an instrument for his glory, whatever it may be, um, in this life. But for that to happen, you have to have that same strong weakness of St. Paul. The weakness is your physical, your psychological, your moral infirmity, um, your own perhaps lack of talent or lack of ability, you have to humbly admit those infirmities. We have to acknowledge those before God. We, we have to be okay with us having limitations. Um, you know, this is, this is what the collect of today's Mass forces us to admit. Oh God, you who see that we do not put our trust and anything that we do. I don't know if we confess our weakness sufficiently to God. I don't know if we, if we pray sufficiently and say to God, as St. Philip Neri, be careful about me because I could easily betray you. Or, um, Lord, I offer you these weaknesses that I have. I entrust them to you. I can only do things that are good by your grace, not by my own strength. There have to be these two things. Somehow there have to be these two things for us to advance in the spiritual life. On the one hand, we must be very frank with God and be willing to admit to him, as we do in the confessional, thanks be to God, that we have faults, we have shortcomings. And on the other hand, to have this very great confidence in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the other side of St. Paul. He knew his own weakness, but he also knew that he had been entrusted with a mission by God. And in that mission, he was absolutely and utterly fearless. 
Because it was not, he understood, it was not, it's not me. It is God who is wanting me to do this. I have the strength of God. I have the, the command of God to do these things. And I must go ahead. This is how you become that good ground that produces the hundredfold fruit in this life. We must have this ambition, this humble ambition. We know what we're called to do as Catholics. We know what God wants of us. We are empowered to do that, but we can only do it if we are willing to be instruments of our Lord. We don't have any confidence in our own power. This is what the introit tells us. But we have all confidence in the power of Christ to work in us. If we're able to accomplish that, that balance between our humility and our confidence in God, then like St. Paul one day, perhaps we can humbly brag about our strong weakness. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.